times of blessing. Today we'll begin to explore God's rules to the nation of Israel as they travel on their way to the land promised to Abraham. Thanks for tuning in to The Bible Brief. The people are terrified. After being led in the wilderness by the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, experiencing the provision of God, they now stand before Mount Sinai, one of the most important locations in all of the Bible. And they are seeing a spectacle that strikes fear into the heart of everyone. The Lord has appeared in a magnificent way. Listen to this from Exodus 19. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke, because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. God is doing something special here. You can tell by the way that he's showing himself to the people. It's no longer the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. Instead, he wraps the whole mountain in a cloud of smoke and descends on it in fire. If that weren't enough, the mountain is quaking while the sound of trumpets gets louder and louder. Just imagine it for a moment. To me, that sounds terrifying as if there was an invasion of earth coming from heaven itself. God has come down in this way for a purpose. He's giving the Israelite nation a unified law, a law to govern them that, if followed, will be accompanied by blessing, and if not, will be accompanied by curses. This law is epitomized here in the most consequential rules that have ever been given in the history of humanity. Yes, I know that's a big statement, but you'll see what I mean. What he gives Moses is the Ten Commandments. I bet you've heard of them. And now I'm going to read them. This is from Exodus 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to the thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant 
or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Okay, those are the Ten Commandments, and they're in Exodus 20. After Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments come the majority of the laws that will govern the nation of Israel in the land of Canaan. These laws, with their basis and foundation being these Ten Commandments, are collectively over 600 instructions and regulations that will be the blueprint for Israelites to live a God-honoring life in the land. But rather than go through the list of these instructions, I'm simply going to highlight a few things that you should take away from these Ten Commandments. These three things are this, God's identity, prohibition of fake gods, and righteous living. So first, let's talk about God's identity. He begins the Ten Commandments with a statement rather than a rule. That statement was this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Before anything else, God identifies himself as the one who saved the Israelites from their slavery in Egypt. God as the great deliverer is the introduction to the law, and something that we shouldn't miss. God is giving these rules in a context of deliverance. As part of this point, I want to highlight the second commandment here. It says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. You remember we discussed God revealing his name of those four Hebrew letters to Moses. That name Yahweh that means something like, I am who I am. The essence of God's identity. Here, he's instructing that the Israelites are to guard themselves against misusing his name. And using his name, they are to do it in proper reverence and respect to the Eternal One who created all things, made the great promises to Abraham and who delivered them from Egypt. God's identity was to be reverenced. Which leads to the second quick point, that the true God prohibits the creation or worship of fake gods. He says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. We discussed in our episode on the Exodus that God demonstrated the fakeness of the Egyptian gods by sending plagues corresponding to each fake god. He shows that these fake gods had no power to stop the true God. But despite this demonstration, we've already seen the Israelites at the foot of Mount Sinai recently complain about water and food and wishing that they had gone back to Egypt. God knows the fickle heart of humans, and he warns them here against turning to fake gods, against setting up what the Bible calls idols. These gods are made by human hands out of wood and precious metals. These Israelites had been steeped in the Egyptian polytheistic culture of many gods, and they would be tempted to go back and worship and make these fake gods. Finally, the last point is this that the Ten Commandments require righteous living. Notice the communal aspects of these last five commandments. Communal in the sense that the commandments involved are in the context of living in a community. These last five commandments say, do not murder, commit adultery, steal, bear false witness, or covet what your neighbor has. Refraining from these activities is a beginning point for righteous living for an Israelite. Murder, then, is an expression of unrighteousness that stains the person who committed the offense. Allowing that person to go on with no consequences also stains God's reputation. 
After all, if God just lets murder go with no consequences, then it appears that he approves, or at least he doesn't care about murder. With these three observations made about the Ten Commandments, that they involve God's identity, they prohibit fake gods, and they require righteous living, we might ask, well, what if someone does steal something from his neighbor? What if someone does covet their neighbor's house? Well, outside of consequences for disobedience, God also made a system as part of this law by which people could be made temporarily clean from their unrighteousness. Remember we said that these sins, when committed, stained a person and stained the reputation of God. With that, there needed to be a way to take those stains away. And God made a system that we've alluded to up to this point. He made a system of sacrifices that would allow an unrighteous people to be in a relationship with a holy righteous God. In our next episode, we'll continue this discussion of the law and we'll discuss the sacrificial system, its purpose, its basic structure, and the function of blood in something that the Bible calls atonement. Join us next time as we bring clarity to an often confusing subject. Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. Do you have a question about the Bible? It could be featured on a future show. You can submit a question by going to our website, BibleLiteracyFoundation.com, and clicking on the podcast page. There you can submit a text or audio question. We'd love to hear from you. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022